Welcome to the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. This is Sid Valley Radio. This week on the Old Time Radio Hour, we'll be listening to a half-hour crime show, followed by 30 minutes of sci-fi. So, just sit back and relax. As we revisit the truly golden age of radio... Good evening. Welcome to Radio's Adventure Theater. Like fine vintage wine that gets tastier with the years, Radio's mystery and adventure stories out of the past are still vibrant and alive. Join us now as we reach into the dusty archives for tonight's exciting drama. Tonight, the story of terror in the streets. We call it The Whole Town Sleeping. So now, starring Miss Jeanette Nolan, here is tonight's suspense play written by Ray Bradbury, The Whole Town Sleeping. It was a warm summer night in the middle of Illinois country. The little town was deep, far away from everything kept to itself by a river and a forest and a ravine. In the town, the sidewalks were still scorched. The stores were closing and the streets were turning dark. Screen doors whined their springs and banged and there was the sound of Grandma Hanlon's swing hammock across the street. On her solitary porch, Lavinia Nebs, age 37, very straight and slim, sat with a tinkling lemonade in her white fingers, tapping it to her lips, waiting. Here I am, Lavinia. Lavinia turned. There was Francine at the bottom porch step. She was all in snow white and didn't look 35. I won't be a minute, Francine. I'll just lock the door. All right. Oh, I do like your dress, dear. Why, thank you, dear. You look so well in that color. I'm afraid I could never wear it. It makes me look sallow. No, it doesn't. I'm sure not. Of course, I've always loved you in white. Uh. Evening, ladies. Good evening, Mrs. Hanlon. Good evening. Where are you ladies going all dressed up so pretty? To the Majestic Theater, Mrs. Hanlon. Robert Mitchum's playing and not as a stranger. Won't catch me out on a night like this. Not with the lonely ones strangling women. Lock myself in with my gun. That's what I'm going to do. I wouldn't worry, Mrs. Hanlon. What about Eliza Ramsell? You think she's not worrying? Lock myself in with my gun. That's what you ladies should do. <laughs> so silly. Silly old woman. Lavinia, you you don't believe all that gossip about the lonely one, do you? A lot of silly old women who haven't got anything better to do than talk. Well, just the same. Hattie McDollis was killed a month ago and... Roberta Ferry the month before. And now, Eliza Ramsell disappearing. Eliza Ramsell walked off with the traveling man, I bet. But the others strangled. Oh, Francine. They reached the edge of the ravine that cut the town in two. Stood there. Behind them were the lighted houses. Ahead, deepness, moistness. Fireflies and dark. 
The ravine had to be crossed to reach the movies. Deep and black as it cut into the hills. Then a creaking bridge to cross over the stream. Then 113 steps up the steep and brambled bank to the other side. The lady stood there, looking down. It won't be me coming back tonight, Lavinia. It'll be you. Oh, I'd never, never walk there alone at night. Never. Bosh. Well, you can say bosh. But it'll be you alone on the path, not me. Oh, Lavinia, I, I do wish you didn't live on this side. Don't you get lonely living by yourself in that house? <laughs> Old maids love to live alone. Come on, we'll take the shortcut. I'm afraid. Oh, come on, don't be so silly. I'll hold your hand. Lavinia, cool as mint ice cream, took the other woman's arm and led her down the dark winding path into cricket warmth and frog sound and mosquito-delicate silence. Oh, let's run, Lavinia, please. No. Why should we? If Lavinia hadn't turned her head just then, she wouldn't have seen it. But she did turn her head, and it was there. Back among a clump of bushes, half-hidden, but laid out as if she had put herself there to enjoy the soft stars, lay Eliza Ramsell, her face moon-freckled, her eyes like white marble. Then Francine saw it, too, and the women stood on the path for a frozen second, not believing what they saw. Lavinia held Francine, and the policemen were all around in the ravine grass. Flashlights darted about, voices mingled, and the night grew on toward 8.30. You, uh, didn't move her, ladies? Of course not. Oh, no, we couldn't touch her. How could we? And there was nobody? You didn't hear anything? Sounds? Anything unusual? No, nothing. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the lonely one, isn't it? He did it, didn't he? Couldn't say, ma'am. We, we knew her, you know. She was a friend of ours. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, I'll have one of my men walk across the ravine. That won't be necessary. Thank you very much. We'll be all right. Oh, Lavinia. Come along, dear. And they crossed the ravine, each with her own thoughts, fears. And the creek waters under the bridge whispered, I'm the lonely one. I'm the lonely one. I kill people. Then they were at the top of the stairs and bathed in safe light from the street lamp. I've never seen a dead person before. It's only a little after 8.30. We'll pick up Helen and get on to the show. The show? Oh, Lavinia, you don't mean it. Of course I do. We've got to forget this. It's not good to remember. But Eliza's back there. We need to laugh. We've got to pretend that nothing happened. But she was our friend. We can't help her. There's no good brooding about it. I'm going to get it out of my mind, and you should too. Now, if we hurry, we won't miss too much. Come, you're an hour late. Well, we... Someone found Eliza Ramsell dead in the ravine. Oh, no. Eliza? Who found her? Oh, we don't know. Oh, how awful. 
Did you see her? Was it terrible? Let's not talk about it. Oh, I really think I should lock myself in my house. I don't think we'd better go tonight. Of course we will. It's the last showing today. Besides, the lonely one can't kill three ladies. There's safety in numbers. Anyway, it's it's too soon. The murders come a month separated. Come along, Helen. Well, I'll get a sweater. You wait for me. Why didn't you tell her about us finding Eliza? Why upset her? Time enough tomorrow. I told you, tonight we've got to forget. We're going to the show and let's not talk about it anymore. Enough's enough. The ladies walked downtown and stopped at the drugstore, which was a few doors from the theater. Lavinia bought a quarter's worth of green mint chews. And the druggist dropped the mints into a sack with a silver shovel. You looked mighty cool this noon, Miss Lavinia, when you was in. So cool and nice, someone asked after you. Oh? Yeah, man sitting at the counter. He watched you walk out and he says to me, Who's that? Just like that, he says it. Why, that's Lavinia Nebs, prettiest maiden lady in town, I says. Beautiful, he says. Beautiful. Where she lives. You did... You didn't give him her address, I hope. You didn't. Well, maybe I shouldn't have. Oh, I didn't give him the exact address. I said over on Park Street, you know, near the ravine. Kind of casual. Oh. I'm sorry. What did he look like? Oh, not much, I guess. Wore a dark suit. Pale. Kind of thin. Probably nothing but a stranger passing through. I'm sorry, Miss Lavinia. There's no charge for the peppermint. Don't be silly, Mr. Briggs. Well, Here. I know what we're going to do right now. We're going straight home. That man asking after you. You're next, Lavinia. You want to be dead in that ravine? It was just a man. That's all. It doesn't mean a thing. That's what I figured. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about? I'm not going to miss the movie. You two can do what you want. I'm going. Well, I think we should all go home. So do I. She's right, Lavinia. No, she's not. Yes, yes she is. Listen. Right They argued for five minutes, then the three of them went to the theater. Francine and Helen reluctantly. Lavinia, head high, self-possessed, cool. In the auditorium, they sat in the odor of ancient brass polish, waiting for the second show to begin. And the lights began to fade. followed us. He was thin, and I think he had a pale face. He just came in, and he's sitting behind us. What? What? Oh, Helen. What man? The man behind us. It's the one Mr. Briggs said was in the drugstore behind us now. Oh, I'm calling the manager. It's him. Oh, stop the movie. Stop it. Put on the light. It's the murderer. The lonely one. He's here. Put on the light. Light! The drugstore clock said 11.25. They'd come out of the theater feeling new. And now they were laughing at Francine. And Francine was laughing at herself. You see how silly it was. All that riot for nothing. When you went running up the aisle, screaming lights. Honestly, I thought I'd die. All that 
poor man. <laughs> the theater manager's brother from Racine. <laughs> oh, Francie. Well, I did apologize. No. You see what a panic can do. And all for nothing. We shouldn't have stopped for sodas, though. Wasn't that a wonderful picture? Will you ever forget? The streets were clean and empty. Not a car or a truck or a person was in sight. The ladies walked under a flickering neon sign, buzzing like a dying insect. The sounds of their heels sharp on the baked pavement. First, we'll walk you home, Francie. Oh, no, I'll walk you home. If you walked me home, you'd have to come back across the ravine alone. I know you. If a leaf even fell on you, you'd drop dead. Well, I... I could stay the night at your house. No, it's all settled. First, I'll take you home, and then Helen. Lavinia, Helen... Stay here with me tonight. It's late. Mrs. Murdoch has an extra room. No, thanks. I don't sleep well away from my own bed. Oh, please, Lavinia, please. I, I, I don't want you dead. Now, you've got to stop this. I mean it. I promise I'll call you the very minute I get home. Now, will you? Will you really? I promise. And, Helen, you make her promise you to call. I will. Well, good night. Be careful. Now, I'll walk you home. The courthouse clock struck the hour. The sounds went across a town that was empty. Emptier than it had ever been before. Over empty streets and empty lots and empty lawns, the sound went. Ten, eleven, twelve. I don't suppose it's any use asking you to stay, Lavinia. There's no reason for me to. You've acted so strangely tonight. I'm just not afraid, that's all. And I'm curious, I suppose. Of course, I'm using my head. I mean, logically. The lonely one can't be around. Not now, the police and all. Did you ever think that maybe your subconscious doesn't want you to live anymore? You and Francine... Honestly, Helen. Well, I feel so guilty. I'll be drinking a cup of coffee just about the time you get to the ravine. And, ooh, that awful bridge in the dark. You will call us the minute you get home, won't you? I won't sleep a wink if you don't. I'll call. Now, good night. Lavinia Nebs walked down the midnight street, down the late summer silence. She saw the houses with their dark windows. And far away, she heard a dog barking. She thought to herself, In five minutes, I'll be safe at home. In five minutes, I'll be phoning Francine and Helen. They're so silly, like old hens. <laughs> old. I'm older than either of them. I'm... She heard a man's voice singing away among the trees, and she walked a little faster. And then coming down the street toward her in the dimming moonlight was a man. Well, look who it is. What a time of night for you to be out, Miss Nebs. Officer Kennedy. Oh, I'm so glad it's you. Is something wrong, Miss Nebs? No, nothing at all. I'm just glad it's you. You know you shouldn't be out now. I know. I've been to the movies. It is late. Yeah, come on. I'd better see you home. Oh, no. I can make it fine. 
Well, moon's going behind the trees. Be pretty dark. I'm not afraid of the dark, Mr. Kennedy. You sure you'll be all right? Quite sure. All right, Thank tell you. you what. I'll wait here till you cross. If you need help, just give a yell and I'll come running. I'll check by your house later on my way back. Thank you. Good night. Good night. As she walked away, she thought... I won't walk in the ravine with any man. How do I know who the lonely one is? No, thank you. Then the ravine. She stood on top of the 113 steps, down the steep bramble bank that led across the creaking bridge a hundred yards and up through the black hills to Park Street. Three minutes from now, I'll be putting my key in the house door. Nothing can happen. Nothing. She started down the dark green steps into the deep ravine night. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. The ravine was deep. Eleven. And the world was gone. The world of safe people and beds. The locked doors. The town. The drugstore. Theater. Lights. Everything was gone. Only the ravine existed. And live black and huge around her. Nine. Thirty-one. Nothing's happened, has it? No one around is there. Remember that old ghost story you told each other when you were children? About the dark man coming into your house and you upstairs in bed. And now he's at the first step coming up to your room. You laughed and screamed at the story. Now the horrid man is at the twelfth step, opening your door. Now he's standing by your bed. Ah! What? What the... There at the bottom of the steps. A man under the light. No. He's gone. He was waiting there. Nothing. It's empty. There's nothing. Nothing on the bridge, fool. It's that story I told myself. How silly. Shall I call Mr. Kennedy? Did he hear me scream? Or did I scream? Maybe I only thought I did. Then he didn't hear me at all. I'll go back up. Go to Helen's and sleep there tonight. No. It's nearer home now. Don't be silly. Wait. Someone's following me. Someone's on the steps behind me. I don't dare turn around. Every time I take a step, he takes one. Oh! 
Officer Kennedy. Is that you? Is it? The crickets were suddenly still. The crickets were listening. The night was listening to her. Then there was a sound. Only a woodchuck, surely, beating a hollow log. But it was Lavinia Nebs. It was most surely the heart of Lavinia Nebs. She went down the steps faster, faster, run. She heard music in a mad way, a silly way. She heard the surge of music that pounded at her, rushed, plunging her faster and faster, down, down into the pit of the ravine. Only a little way across the bridge. Run! Run! Don't turn! Don't look! If you see him, you'll not be able to move! Just run! And across the bridge, up the path between the hills, the top of the path, the street, and even with the light, the fear swirled about her, closing in, pressing. If I get home safe, I'll never go out alone. I was a fool never again! If you let me get home... But this, I'll never go out again, alone, I promise. Please, please, let me, please, 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 give me time to get inside and lock the door, and I'll be safe. Oh, 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 oh safe at home, safe, safe at home. Listen, not a sound. Oh, running after me. How silly. If a man had been following me, he'd have caught me. I can't run as fast as a man. I wasn't running from anything except me. The ravine was safer than safe. Oh, it's nice to be home, though. Home's the really... Good, warm, safe place. The only place. She had just put her hand out to the light switch when she heard it behind her in the blackness. <gasps> just a movement. What? What? Who is it? That's Adventure Theater. Join us each week at this time as we reach into the dusty archives for another thrilling story of mystery and adventure from out of the past. 
This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service. This is the Old Time Radio Hour on Sid Valley Radio. Archaeologists believe the city of dreams is buried beneath the ruins of Machu Picchu in South America. Ask an anthropologist, and he'll tell you the city of dreams is somewhere in the Australian outback. Its precise location encoded in the low moans of the didgeridoo, waiting for someone to decipher it. Some say it's in Arkham, Massachusetts. Or hidden in the secret network of tunnels under Moscow, whose existence is denied to this day. But I'm here to tell you the truth. You want to know where the city of dreams is? Look around. If pain has a color, it is the deep blue of the swimming pool at the house owned by Martin Anders. If pain has a sound, it sounds like this. What? I've been calling down here for the last 20 minutes. Sorry, I was working. This new proposal's due tomorrow, and I just can't think about anything else. What is it? I was going to the store and... What? Where's Jeffrey? He was just playing here a minute ago. You didn't see him in the living room? No. Jeffrey? Jeff! I just took my eyes off him for a second. Jeffrey! Jeff! I... Oh, my God. The patio door's open. The pool. Oh, God, no! Jeffrey! No! The sound of pain. The color of pain. One year ago in the life of Jennifer and Martin Anders... And there are others drawn by the sound and the color of pain. Broadcast non-stop for 365 days. Drawn inexorably toward the source. Because pain is the universal language in the city of dreams. Marty? Hmm? Marty, your dinner's getting cold. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be right there. I... Oh. oh, damn it. You're drunk. Again. Sorry, I just... Uh... Uh, uh, stop. I don't want to hear it. Martin, I don't know how much more of this I can take. You're never here during the day anymore. You stay in the office burying yourself under your work until all hours, then you come home and lock yourself in here and drink and just feel sorry for yourself. And today, today of all days... One year after he... Jenny. Leave me alone. What am I supposed to do? I can't... I, I can't get past it, Jenny. Honest to God. I didn't even hear him. He could have... He could have been calling for help. Calling for me. And I didn't hear him. Stop it. 
I tried to tell myself it wasn't my fault, that I was always there for him all the rest of the time. Were you? What are you talking about? Jeffrey meant the world to me. Did he? I used to watch you, buried under your work, and wonder sometimes just how much he really meant to don't, you. Don't, don't do that to me. Don't I... touch me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, God in heaven, I'm sorry. If I could do anything to change it, I would. I swear I would. Jenny? Jenny, look, come on down to dinner. You've got to eat. Or not. I should have come in for dinner. I should have just kept my mouth shut. I should have left this old bottle up on the shelf three hours ago. And I should have... I should have been there with Jeffrey. Oh, crap! I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm sorry. I should have been there. I should have. And perhaps you can be. Who? How did, how did you get in my backyard? Not important. I'm calling the cops. I'll be gone. And you'll never get to hear what I have to say. Who are you? An interested third party. Perhaps even a friend, if you so desire. What do you want? Nothing more than to give you what you asked for. Oh, yes, I heard you. You see, sometimes when you speak to the night, it hears you. And I hear you. It's a talent, shall we say. You miss him, don't you? Your son. Get out. I'm going back inside. You'd like him back, wouldn't you? I said get the hell out of my... <laughs> Jeffrey? Jeffrey, is that you? Gone. But it was him. It was Jeffrey. I recognized his voice. Yes, it was. I can bring him back. I can fix it so that he is not only still alive. I can even arrange it so that he was never dead in the first place. Who are you? You mean devil, angel, that sort of thing? I tend to dislike labels, Martin, so let's table that question for the moment. Let's just say that I can deliver exactly what I promise. You've heard of some people getting second chances. Well, forget it. Nobody gives anybody anything these days, not in this economy. This is the part no one ever tells you about. The part where you earn it. What you do with it is utterly beyond my interest at the moment. What happens now, this moment, that is all that concerns me. It is a very simple question, Martin. You want your son back. How much is it worth to you? Anything. I... I have money. A lot of it. I can... Money is useless to me. Then what do you... Wait. Are you after... <laughs> no, I have no interest in your soul either. 
On today's market, souls are the cheapest possible commodity. You can get a soul for the price of a used syringe and something to put in it. The challenge is gone. No, Martin, this is something else again. Every so often, I get bored, and you are my cure. In that case, what do you want? An understanding, simple enough, really. All you have to do is decide that you want your son back no matter what. And keep to that decision for the next 24 hours, the anniversary of your son's death. If in that 24 hours you have not changed your mind, then he will be returned to you. That's it? That's it. Just that simple. So, are you up for it? Or is your son not worth that much to you? You've got a deal. Midnight. How appropriate. Very well, Martin. You will see me again tomorrow night here at midnight. But I will be seeing you all day, watching and listening. I want to see if you change your mind. I want to see just how much it's really worth to you. What's that supposed to mean? I did... What? Where, where did you go? I... What the hell? Oh, no. I'm sorry. I am sorry, Mr. My car, that's a 1965 Camaro. I stayed for years to get it. I'm sorry. I, I don't understand how it happened. I mean, the hood just flew open. I lost control. Do you have any idea what this car is oh. worth to me? How... <laughs> Mr.? Mr., you okay? Did you hear that? Hear what? Never mind. Just never mind. Can I see your insurance? Oh, <laughs> I never got around to it. I'm, I'm uninsured. And I'm out of work. So I guess we're both screwed, huh? What do you mean my insurance won't cover the damages? I wasn't even in my car when the guy plowed into it. I did. My insurance is paid up through... My check never arrived. That's impossible. I sent it off myself in plenty of time. They can't just cancel me like that. There must be something you can do. Look, you're my insurance agent. Now, damn it, get me some satisfaction here, or... Hello? Hello? Damn it! Mr. Carlyle, what are you... Martin, I just received a call from Edgewater Industries. Two days ago, you assured me that we had their advertising account. You guaranteed it. Yes, I received their complete assurance that... Well, they just pulled out of the deal. What? You know how important that account was to us, Martin. I appeared in front of the stockholders yesterday and told them we had it bagged. Now I'm going to look like an idiot. I'll call them myself right now. Don't bother. From what I can tell, it seems like their main problem is with you. But I didn't... I'll do everything I can to salvage the deal and figure out what the hell went wrong. But if we end up losing this for sure, I'm going to hold you personally responsible. But, Mr. Carlyle, I don't... I, I didn't... You've got a nice office here. Be a real shame to lose it. You? What the hell are you doing here? I said I'd be around, watching. I want you out of here. I'm calling security. Don't bother. They're on their way up now, anyway. 
Seems the rental car you got this morning was just stolen. You're responsible for all this somehow, aren't you? You're doing it. Of course. That's the whole point. That's my part of the bargain. I keep tugging here and pulling there until I find the one thread that will make you unravel like an old sweater. But you can stop it. You can stop all of this any time you want. Just say the word and this will all go away. And I will go away. All you have to do is change your mind. Go to hell. I'll do that. Willingly, I might add. Because very shortly, I'll see you there. Yeah? What? Mr. Anders, I thought I heard you talking to someone. I was. I... Where did he... Never mind. What is it? Oh, Mr. Carlyle just called an emergency meeting on the Ferguson account. They want the new designs today or they're going to go elsewhere. He wants you to pull the file and get to his office right now. He's not a happy camper. It's okay. I finished the designs the other day. They're right in here. Christy, did you go through these files? Uh, no, Mr. Anders. Then where's... Aha, uh -huh. here it is. It's... What? What's wrong? It's empty. All the designs, months of work, even the contract. I've got nothing. Nothing. How the hell could this happen, Martin? I don't know. The paperwork was there, then... Do you realize that because of your inefficiency, we have lost two of our largest clients in the same day? That's over three million dollars in lost revenue. Revenue that was practically guaranteed. I'm sorry, I... I don't want apologies, Martin. I'm not interested in apologies. Apologies have no place in a business like this. We want dedication. And I don't think you've been very dedicated lately, Martin. But I have. For the last five years, I'd go home, go into my office, and work until 10 or 11 at night, sometimes later. It's not the hours. It's the attitude. You have to know what's important. Apparently, you don't. If you could just give me a little time, just until tomorrow, I'm sure we can work out all the... I can't do that, Martin. I have shareholders to answer to. And right now, I don't like what I'm going to have to tell them. Mr. Carlyle, please, don't do this. I'm sorry, but I don't have any other choice. I'm going to have to ask you to clean out your desk. And be out by the end of the business day. May I help you? Yes, I just went to use my bank card to tell a machine to take out $300, and it was refused. I see. Can you run your card through for me? Thanks. I see your balance is $27.15. That's not possible. Look, that account has over $20,000 in it. Sorry, it's... What about my savings account? What savings account? God, no. Jenny? You here? Jenny? Gone shopping, couldn't stand being close to the phone. 
turn the phone. You have 14 messages. Mr. Anders, this is Jim from Secure Credit, and it looks as if your credit limit has been exceeded to the tune of about $30,000. What? I spoke to your wife earlier, and she insists that the credit card <laughs> must have been stolen or hacked. But since you never reported the problem, well, there really isn't much we can do. So we have no choice but to hold you liable for the full oh amount, which is payable... Oh, my God. Hi, this is Sheila Anderson from Transfederated Savings. I'm calling on behalf of Mr. Thompson, the loan officer, to let you know that we've reviewed your mortgage payments and found nothing in our files for the last year. That's ridiculous. Consequently, no. we're going to have to freeze your current accounts with us until... Mr. Anders, uh, this is Sergeant Kevin Sinclair from the LAPD. Yesterday, we closed down an escort ring that was pandering to businessmen. And your name showed up on one of the escort's patients, uh, so we need to come down to the station for questioning tomorrow morning at 8.30. Inform you that your pension plan is being canceled. Uh, With the phone company, we're going to have to shut off your line for lack of... Uh, God! God. God. God, what am I going to do? Martin. Hmm? What? Well, sorry, I was sleeping. My head hurts like a... What's with the suitcase? I'm leaving you. Jenny, no. At first, I was going to just go, but I figured I should at least tell you. No, Jen, listen. I can't handle it anymore. Our life has fallen apart all around us. Under other circumstances, I, I could handle all of it. The, the money, the car, the house. I could handle even the worst of it. But on top of the rest, I just can't. I'm tired of the guilt, the fighting, and the recrimination since Jeffrey died. No, you weren't able to save Jeffrey, but your guilt over this has also killed us. And you could have saved us, Martin. Don't do this. The Reverend said, until death do you part. I always figured it would be your death or mine. But it was Jeffrey's. And the second death that followed, the slow death of our marriage. Goodbye, Martin. No, Jen. Wait. Wait. You have to listen to me. Jen! Don't go. Don't go. Hello, Martin. How's your day been? Leave me alone. Leave me. Happy to. Just say the word, Martin. Tell me you don't want your son back, and I'll put all this back the way it was. I told you I... The furniture? What happened to the furniture? Repossessed. Gone to pay creditors. You have nothing, Martin. No job, no money. They'll come for the house shortly. No wife, no furniture. Ah, there go the lights. Nice and dark now. Did I mention it turns out the electric bill hasn't been paid in months? I can handle this. Are you sure? It can get much worse. I'm not sure that's possible. And there are no guarantees, Martin. What do you mean, no guarantees? You promised me! This way. Hey! Come back here! We had a deal! We had a...
hell am I? Third Street in Vermont. A bad area. Not the kind of place a well-dressed man should hang around after dark. I have to get out of here. I have to get home. Oh, Christ. Hey, puta pendejo. What you doing here, eh? I, I'm sorry, I was just... I said you could talk. Hey, did I say he could talk? No. Uh-huh. You look lost, man. I just want... Give me five dollars. I don't have... Give me five dollars, man. Or I'll cut you. My wallet is gone. I'll, I'll go home. Get it for you. He's gonna go home <laughs> and get it for me. <laughs> you hear that? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> you think we're stupid or something? No, I... I this I, is our part of town, man. You think you can come down here and pull this kind of crap on us? Is that it? I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, get him! Beat the uh, crap out of him! Uh, uh, you uh, left that uh, so good. One eye closed, lip bleeding, face that looks like five pounds of ground round. And that looks like a broken rib to me. No, this has not been a very good day for you, has it, Martin? Go away! But I can't go away, Martin. It's only 11.30, and we still haven't answered the final question. You say you want your son back alive. How much is it worth to you, Martin? Hmm? How much is it worth, really? Is it worth your life? Where am I? You're at the bottom of a pit, Martin. What does it look like? Not quite as big as the metaphorical pit you dug for yourself after Jeffrey died, but it will do. You should find yourself quite at home here, because this is a very special place indeed. Welcome to hell, Martin. I told you I'd see you here. Do you hear them, Martin? The cries of the damned. A symphony of loss, of regret. Give us back one day of life to change our ways, they cry out. But it would change nothing. They don't have it in them to do anything different, because in the end, nothing ever mattered to them but themselves. Every day, they woke up thinking about how they could improve their own lives, and every night they went to bed thinking the same thing. In the end, it was all about them, just as it's all about you, Mark. That's not true! No. Ah! Don't touch 
touch the sides of the pit, Martin, or you'll get more of the same. Not if you want to keep yourself from experiencing a kind of pain known only to the damned. What do you want from me? Just an answer, Martin. That's all. That's all I wanted from the beginning. How much is your son worth to you? How much is he worth to you, Martin? Let's find out, shall we? Come to me. Come to me, Martin. Climb the sides of that pit. Come all the way up here and shake my hand. Conclude the deal. Simple as that. But, but you said if I touch the sides. Yes, I did. Midnight's coming, Martin. Another few minutes. Last call. I can't! I can't! You're afraid. You don't want to die, is that it? Not so easy now, is it? Not so brave once it gets personal, are we? Come on, Martin. Show me what it's worth to you. Show me! Did you really miss your son that Really? I don't think so. I don't think you missed him at all. How many baseball games did you go to? How many picnics? How many school plays? Where were you when your son was trying to catch breath under six feet of water? You were working on business. You didn't care. You never cared. It's not that you miss him. You're just mad because you failed at something. No, that's not true. Then what are you running from? What are you afraid of? Why do you dive into a bottle when you come home, refusing to come out until the next day when you can go to work and lose yourself in your job? I can't! Go on, admit it. It's no crime. Tell me the truth. I thought I heard something flashing. It might have been him calling for me. Yes. He was always calling for me. And I was tired. And it was late. And I was working. Of course. I couldn't admit it. Not to get it. I was just so tired. He wasn't worth your time. No, that's not what I said. It's all right. Just say it. Tell me he's not worth all this. I'll understand. Do that, and maybe I'll even put everything back the way it was. You can have your life back. Your car, your job, your bank account. Would you like that, Martin? What? Tell me what you want, Martin. I want my son back. Then come and get That's it, Martin. A little further. Feel it. Feel your heart being torn apart. Feel your guts burning. For what? You don't care. You never care. Not this much, not before. Why stop now? I want my son back. You have been living a lie, haven't you? All this drink, all this drinking water with yourself finished because you failed. Because you couldn't do anything. Well, here's your big chance, Martin. Let's see what you do with it. Come on. Just a little further. Too 
Paul. Can't do it. I'm right here. Come on. Choose your son back or your life. Which is more important? What do you want? What do you want? I want my son back. Samuel. I want my son back. Is he going to be all right? He'll be fine. He just needs to sleep. By tomorrow morning, he'll be good as new. Thanks. Thanks for coming over, Jim. Not a problem. You got there just in time, Martin. Of course, that suit's never going to be the same again. It was worth it. I'll see you out. Just a sec. Go on, Doc. Jenny. What? I know that... These last few years, I haven't been the kind of father I think you'd want me to be. No. Oh, Martin. Now it's so much work to do. There's always work, Jenny. Remember that tomorrow's Friday. <laughs> what do you mean you remember? It's... Not important. Carlisle... Can wait 24 hours. Well, all right. I'll tell Jeff. You know how he loves it up there. Yeah, I do. I do. Good thing you weren't working hard tonight, Martin. We might not have heard a thing. No. I'll always be listening. Are you still there? I told you I'd keep my part of the bargain. Yes. I won't make the same mistakes with him. Not this time. I swear. I know. 
I should be going. Who are you? Really? I think you know. Yes, just... didn't want to say it. But then I remembered what you said about a bet. Something to ease the boredom. You lost this bet. It isn't the first one I've... Do you ever win some? Thing a man has, his money, his position, everything he owns, and leave just the man. And you'd be surprised how many will give up what they say they care for the most just to have the rest of it back again. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. It's a very old game. Very old. I remember my father reading to me from the book of Job. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. We all have to keep busy. We all have our work. Well, if you ever need me, you know where I'll be. Going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. It's a long, long, very long walk, Mr. Anders. And the occasional wager helps to keep one from thinking too much about what's at the end of that road. Consider my servant Job, he says. You know, to this day, I think it was a setup. Goodbye then, Mr. Anders. I'll see you again at the end of days. Rolling Thunder starred Andre Brower as Martin Anders, Ashley Albert as the secretary and Jeffrey, Amy Brabson as Jennifer Anders, Jacqueline Cuscuna as the bank clerk, Peter Francis James as Carlisle, Henry Laver as Sergeant Sinclair and gang member two, Ramon De Ocampo as the gang leader and guy, and Kevin Conway as the stranger. Rolling Thunder was written by J. Michael Straczynski and produced and directed by Brian Smith with sound design by John Colucci. The Old Time Radio Hour will be back next Sunday at 4 o'clock. We hope you can join us here on Sid Valley Radio.
The Old Time Radio Hour will be back next Sunday, at 4 o'clock. We hope you can join us, here on Sid Valley Radio.
Is he going to be all right? He'll be fine. He just needs to sleep. By tomorrow morning, he'll be good as new. Thanks. Thanks for coming over, Jim. Not a problem. You got there just in time, Martin. Of course, that suit's never going to be the same again. It was worth it. I'll see you out. Just a sec. Go on, Doc. Jenny. What? I know that... These last few years, I haven't been the kind of father I think you'd want me to be. No. Oh, Martin. Now it's so much work to do. There's always work, Jenny. Remember that tomorrow's Friday. <laughs> what do you mean you remember? It's... Not important. Carlisle... Can wait 24 hours. Well, all right. I'll tell Jeff. You know how he loves it up there. Yeah, I do. I do. Good thing you weren't working hard tonight, Martin. We might not have heard a thing. 
No. I'll always be listening. Are you still there? I told you I'd keep my part of the bargain. Yes. I won't make the same mistakes with him. Not this time. I swear. I know. I should be going. Who are you? Really? I think you know. Yes, just... didn't want to say it. But then I remembered what you said about a bet. Something to ease the boredom. You lost this bet. It isn't the first one I've... Do you ever win some? Thing a man has. His money, his position, everything he owns, and leave just the man. And you'd be surprised how many will give up what they say they care for the most just to have the rest of it back again. Sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. It's a very old game. Very old. I remember my father reading to me from the book of Job. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. We all have to keep busy. We all have our work. Well, if you ever need me, you know where I'll be. Going to and fro in the earth, and walking up and down in it. It's a long, long, very long walk, Mr. Anders. And the occasional wager helps to keep one from thinking too much about what's at the end of that road. Consider my servant Job, he says. You know, to this day, I think it was a setup. Goodbye then, Mr. Anders. I'll see you again. At the end of days. Rolling Thunder starred Andre Brower as Martin Anders, Ashley Albert as the secretary and Jeffrey, Amy Brabson as Jennifer Anders, Jacqueline Cuscuna as the bank clerk, Peter Francis James as Carlisle. Henry Laver as Sergeant Sinclair and gang member two. Ramon De Ocampo as the gang leader and guy. And Kevin Conway as the stranger. Rolling Thunder was written by J. Michael Straczynski and produced and directed by Brian Smith with sound design by John Colucci. J. Michael Straczynski's City of Dreams is a production of sci-fi.com's Seeing Ear Theatre.